Welcome to episode one with Michael and Eric, the podcast where we watch the first episode of a streaming exclusive show and talk about it. I'm Michael. And I'm Eric. And this week we watched The Sandman on Netflix. Netflix. I summon you with poison. I summon you with pain. Okay. (laughs) I'm still down on Netflix. You're still down on Netflix? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, all the social commentary stuff that they're not great at. Sure. I'm I'm halfway between like them needing to be more responsible about the content release and them being like, ah, free speech, whatever. Let them say what they want. We're not responsible for it. But I think ultimately I'm like, no, just don't let people be shitty on your network. Yeah. Yep, I don't. I don't have anything intelligent to say about that. It's a slippery slope either way. I, yep. I genuinely. Yep. I mean, yeah. I don't know how intelligent my feelings about it are, but that's how I feel. Sure. <laughs> I guess that's my way of saying you sounded stupid, and I don't want to sound stupid. <laughs> I don't think I sounded stupid. Okay. <laughs> Did I? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think of the Sandman? Uh, I liked it. That's my exact reaction, dude. Okay. We got a lot to talk about. Okay. So, what's your hesitancy? I don't know. It seems to have... It's partially Netflix. I don't trust them to... Be socially responsible? No. Like, I I trust them to... I genuinely trust them to not give a shit one way or the other. So, (laughs) they will do that. Um, no, I don't trust them not to cancel this abruptly. And this feels like it's going to end up being a fairly large narrative that's not going to be wrapped up by season one. And so maybe I'm getting ahead of myself a bit, but that's that's leading to some of my hesitancy around that. Also, uh, it was just like... There's not a good way to say this. It's just like some really nerdy shit. Yes. It was some really nerdy shit. Yeah. But it was like my kind of nerdy shit, but it was like so nerdy that at one point, Kathy was downstairs. I had headphones on because I'll keep mom while she's working, whatever. She came down on break and was seeing what I was watching. And there was a part of me that was like, should I turn this off? I shouldn't be watching this while she's down here. Like, there was nothing embarrassing on screen at all. It was just like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's just this shade of too nerdy for me to feel comfortable. That was my hesitancy with it was especially, so the first 10 minutes of just like eye rolling, like Mad Libs plug in a verb and a noun fantasy bullshit that like, I just rolled my eyes the whole time where it's just like, like, the real dream is the love inside of a man's heart and that type of stuff. Like, that wasn't in the show, and I just did that off the dome. But sure. that's how much effort they put into writing that shit. Is this Neil Gaiman? It is Neil Gaiman. Uh, Neil Gaiman. Um, yeah, this th- that didn't feel like fantasy fill in the blank for me. It felt like... Look at how smart we are. Yeah. there's To me, there's a difference. Like, I get what you're talking about when it comes to the fantasy shit. It's We've talked about fantasy series that you've like read or tried to read. Brandon Sanderson. And it's just a lot of, like, all this jargon and fucking, like, shit that 
most of the time they don't explain right away or if they do they over explain it like all that sort of thing i i think what i liked about this is that the first 10 minutes were just so these are the stakes like this is what we're dealing with it was heavy on mythology sort of thing and then i appreciated that it didn't do an overly large amount of over explaining and that sort of thing yeah and after like that 10 minutes that stuff sort of went away until my big eye roll near the end when they revealed the name of uh the mistress Ethel Cripps. <laughs> and I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the second Neil Gaiman series that we've talked about. I liked this one way more. Yeah. The first one was Good Omens, and Good Omens is. Maybe the one Neil Gaiman boot. No, that's not true. I've read American Gods too, uh, but Good Omens when I was in high school was a book that I like really liked. Yeah. Um, uh, and that he wrote with what's his name Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett. I always think that Terry Pratchett is a Monty Python guy, but he's not. You're thinking of Terry, Terry Gilliam. Oh, I watched this on one point two five speed. Pretty good decision. <laughs> I thought was- smash cut to like 15 minutes from now we're talking. You're like, the one thing I didn't like is just how fast everybody was talking. <laughs> no, I got used to it. <laughs> uh, I, I did put subtitles on when I did that just to make sure I didn't miss anything. Sure. But I, I'm pretty sure I picked up on everything. But I saw 55 minutes. It's like, ah. Oh. 1.25 but i might watch i might watch at least a couple more episodes to see how i like it um the this season on uh made it look interesting like it goes some interesting places yeah i stopped i i didn't watch any of the this season on because i know i'm gonna watch more i've heard very good things about the show to begin with the first episode didn't turn me off to it and I know that Patton Oswalt plays a, a character or voices a character um, in the series as well. And I enjoy him. So is the dude that played the the sorcerer, the magus or whatever they wanted to call him. Is he just exclusively in fantasy series where he can kind of snidely look down on everybody else in that series? He's good at it. He's very good at it. He played. Um, he was uh, in Game of Thrones. Lannister uh, Tywin. Yeah, the big Lannister. Yep. I gotta look up that actor see if he's... Lit- he has to have been in other things. He's a very good actor. I've seen him in a couple other things, not playing that. So here's what I see him in. The Sandman, obviously, Dracula Untold. Okay. Fantasy shit, where I'm sure he was talking down to people. Uh, Alien 3, I don't remember him in that, but probably talking down to people. Last Action Hero... Are you starting at the beginning of his career? No. Oh, okay. I just I'm going through the highlights as Google was presenting them to me. Oh. Um and it was kind of jumping all over the place in the timeline, so yeah. He's known for the the imitation game, never Yeah, he's been in a lot of shit, but it does look like it's a lot of fantasy nerd shit. And I think he's just made a career out of 
talking down to people in fantasy nerd shit shows and movies. Yeah, good he's for him. good at it. Um, speaking of fantasy nerd shit, you know, you know what show we have to do next? Uh, New Lord of the Rings show comes out. Yes, that comes out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, I did know that. Should we maybe talk about what the show is? Yeah. Go ahead and let us all know what the show is about. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'll cut all that out and I'll just be like, oh, you want to tell everybody what the show is about? But don't cut all any of that out because that was a lot of stuff. I don't know if it was any good, but it was a lot of stuff. No, I'm just going to cut out the part where you ask me and I'm going to make it look like I remembered to prompt you to tell everybody. Yeah, I'm just saying like we're doing a lot of like goofs about <laughs> that fact right now and just all that shit's just out the window if you cut it out. Yeah, we'll see if it was funnier or not. Okay, we'll see. So, it's about gods and shit. He's the god of dreams or something, or more than a god. Uh, and some sorcerer in, is attempting to call and trap death so that he can bring his dead son back to life. And instead accidentally gets this guy, the god of dreams called dream or he's also called morpheus apparently okay and won't release him because he's got a bunch of his artifacts for lack of a better word that give him i I never really saw him actually using any of them yeah but it did seem like we were catching him at various points during the lifeline and it seemed like he was well to do so clearly some he was using them in some fashion yeah, and they're out there, so I'm sure they're going to come into play in the series, and we're going to get to see. I, I'm they're going to draw out the like. <laughs> oh, here we get to see the ruby. So him being the dream being captured, he's captured for like a hundred years or something like that, as far as we can tell. Yeah, <clears throat> and him being captured means that there ends up being a sleeping sickness that nobody can explain that goes throughout the, the entire world where there are people that won't awake from sleep or people that can't sleep or people that are in a constant state of sleepwalking, like all sorts of goofy shit. And then on top of that, him being the God of dreams, he's all, he's like rules over dreams and nightmares. And there's at least one nightmare and probably many more that have made their way into the waking world. And, he would normally be the one to bring them back, but he's not there. So it's just Earth has gotten really shitty over the last hundred years. He eventually breaks free and f- goes back to his realm, only to find that it's kind of rotted and decayed because everybody left because he wasn't around. Right. And now he's his plan is to rebuild his kingdom, bring back the dreams and nightmares, and... We've got some glimpse into at least that one nightmare, uh, the Corinthian or whatever. Corinthian, yeah. The only, the reason, from what I can tell, the only reason he was able to have been captured by the spell that Roderick did was because he was in the real world when Roderick cast the spell. So I think it was just coincidence because he came to the real world to capture Corinthian and in the act of capturing Corinthian got pulled into though yeah was that alluded to in some way or is that just your interpretation that was just my interpretation of yeah yeah. certainly could be yeah i don't know but this this is a very visually striking show um and it doesn't have the same 
Stranger Things and very few other shows aside, a lot of Netflix shows, even ones that, as far as I can tell, were going for bigger special effects, kind of look shitty and, and goofy and, and don't quite look right because they're not, I don't know if they're not putting enough money into it, time into it, or whatever. Um, but this show was fantastic. Like, it was stunning as far as some of the visuals and shit like that that were happening. And Yeah. Um why didn't they give him clothes? He was trapped in a glass bubble for a hundred years. They could have thrown him, thrown him a tunic or something. You know what I mean? I guess if I want to think about it now, I think part of it, maybe they didn't think to because it kind of seemed like... So they trapped him in this this magical circle, but then the Corinthian came along and told them, like, that's not going to keep him trapped for long. You need to build these other things like put him in a glass sphere all this sort of shit i don't know if they didn't think about it or if maybe in corinthian's way of trying to humiliate uh dream he basically told him oh no you couldn't possibly give him clothes because he could do x y or z and it was just like this way of fucking him over even more yeah i don't know i i wouldn't be surprised to find out that the even the glass sphere thing was kind of uh goofy yeah, uh, my interpretation of that was it was just to protect from the bird interfering in any way. Okay, that's a fair... The bird... Okay, so he had a, a bird that showed up that uh, was trying over the years to save him, but failed to do so because Tywin Lannister kept hunting it or whatever. Yeah. It eventually makes its way into the house and starts pecking at the glass. What? If all it took was for like a, a wheelchair wheel to like gently smudge this magical circle, why didn't the bird peck at the circle or something? That's a good question. That's the only question. The why bird would have known that better than anything. Why didn't they build the glass dome over the circle? Why didn't they put the glass dome over the circle? Yeah. For the same reason that the glass cer- sphere was necessary, I got the sense that they needed to keep protect the circle from him i don't know that he could have necessarily smudged it himself but maybe he could have done something to break free eventually if he had access to the circle that's fair another question about the bird eventually tywin lannister uh his character's name is roderick okay uh tywin yeah uh tells his son whose name is alex to go hunt the bird why doesn't he just go shoot a different bird and bring it in (laughs) Uh, because his dad was seconds away from beating him to death, and if he found out that he lied about the bird that he killed, he would have killed him. I don't know how he would have found out. Like, there is even the question, like, it's been ten years. Are you sure that's even the same bird? Agreed. But I... I don't know. I He left. I, I don't think that that was outside the realm of possibility. He didn't get a chance to shoot a fake bird. He somehow thought to come back home and as soon as I they were showing the shot of the bird pecking at the glass, I'm like, he's got to get fucking shot. Yeah. Um, what I don't understand is why that shotgun didn't also break the glass pretty much immediately. But Right. And then I don't understand why uh, Alex and his dad get in a tussle, in a tussle and he uh, pushes his dad back and his dad cracks his skull and um, dies. Everybody's just cool. Like, all his dad's henchmen are like, huh? guess you're in charge now. That doesn't seem like a very devoted henchman. I don't think most henchmen are that devoted. They're devoted to who's giving them money. And I think that's 
Or who they're afraid of. So I think in this case it must have been money because I don't think they had any reason to be afraid of that kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If I, if I like walked into an Italian restaurant in New York City and shot a mob boss, I don't think all the henchmen sitting at the table with them would just turn to me and be like, guess you're in charge now. <laughs> I think that's the difference between a mob and an employee. <laughs> If someone walked in, okay, no, I'm not going to get into that. That's there's with as powerful as his dad supposedly was that he's built this whole like cult of personality around himself now over the intervening what 10, 15 years before his death. Yeah, uh, it kind of seems goofy that him getting knocked in the head lightly uh, killed him so quickly. I thought we were told that by the Corinthian that those items would enable him to like have youth and vitality and all this sort of shit and all it took was a light shove into a glass sphere i thought what was more likely to happen was that it was going to knock him unconscious which i would have believed and then dream would have slipped into his dream because there was a whole big thing about don't fall asleep in that room with him i was certain that's what was going to happen that would have been good i think so i think that would have been more appropriate and if neil gaiman weren't a hack maybe that's what would have happened (laughs) neil gaiman being put on blast um, I'm going to just take that right back because okay. if certain people hear that, like, for instance, the internet, uh, I'm just going to get... Oh, don't worry. The internet is not listening to our podcast. Oh, right. If they are not right. listening to our podcast. Right. Then fuck Neil Gaiman. <laughs> um, uh, Neil Gaiman seems very nice. I know a woman who is a big fan of his and... Like, almost always tweets her back when she tweets at him. Nice. Yeah. Um, I read an article recently that was in reference to this show about the fact that there was a write-up. I don't remember when this this graphic novel series was written, but sometime after that, someone had optioned it as a, I think, another TV show. Or maybe it was a movie at that point. And... They got it to the point where the script was written, they were getting ready to shoot or whatever, and they sent Neil Gaiman the script to be like, hey, like, let us know what you think. And he so fucking hated it. He was like, this is fucking terrible that he leaked that script to the internet uh-huh. so that everybody would just rip it to shreds and be like, this is dog shit. What are they doing? And it got the movie canceled. Wow. So uh, I think I don't know how much he's bought into this show or not or how much he was brought in to help with the making of it. But I have to imagine that he at least liked it more than that other send up of the show or the series. Yeah, I know that he's at least promoted it to some level. Uh, I would believe that he. Yeah. What's going on that he's having this resurgence with. Like, did he get, like, released from a contract or something? Like, there's good omens, and then now we've got this. Like, they're just, like, making shit out of his shit all of a sudden. There is, uh, so, Brandon Sanderson recently posted a video. He was talking about uh, how the fifth Stormlight book was supposed to come out next year, um, but it had to get pushed to the following year. Um, and he said it's because not because he's writing other projects. It's because this is the year that Hollywood came knocking because Game of Thrones has ended. And now every streaming service or a uh, big network is trying to find the next Game of Thrones. And I think that's what's happening. Neil Gaiman is an established writer. He has an established series of like 
cult fan, not even cult fandom, just like heavy fandom amongst fantasy, mythology, like all that sort of stuff. Of course, like it's it's ready for the taking if somebody can do it well. And I think given the sheer number of streaming services, I'm betting that Neil Gaiman has a little more leverage around keeping his hands involved in whatever gets made. Okay, so they find this spell book, right? I love this shit, by the way, like an old ancient spell book that nobody knows about that's like on a, on a shelf, but it's got the real shit in it. Or like the god of dreams captured inside of a glass dome for hundreds of years, forgotten about under, you know, forgotten about under the rubble of a building, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Yeah, that's cool. My big question is they're doing the spell and they're like, nobody's done this spell before so my question is how do they have the spell if nobody's done it how has nobody done it and how do they know it works like if i if i just like wrote out a off the top of my head wrote out a recipe for a thing and gave it to you to to do you'd probably be like i don't know if this is going to be good or not michael yeah i i don't we didn't get a lot of context. I don't know if there's more in the graphic novel series or what about what this spell book is. Maybe this spell hasn't been tried because the cost is too high, but even like there was nothing in the spell that was, I was fully expecting that spell to require him to have to sacrifice. And I thought he was going to have to sacrifice his living son in order to try and save his dead son, uh. which then I'd at least understood nobody wanted to pay that cost sort of thing, as opposed to, I don't know if this is going to work or not. Right. It feels goofy. Yeah, like, I, where'd the spell come? Um, but it could also be a little like, okay, nobody's tried this spell before, but every other spell in this book has worked gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, or having just read the Dresden Files in the first book, one of the things is that people are being murdered using magic, and he has to figure out the spell that they're using without actually doing it. So mm-hmm. it could just be like... Everything we know about magic and spells, we can put all the, this, this spell together. Yeah, this you know, this work. will work. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's that's always going to be the downfall of setting up a show like this in this manner where it's, it's almost kind of sped along to get to the interesting stuff is that there's going to be really obvious questions. Um, but I still prefer this to a, an, an episode spent talking about why this spell has never been cast before. Let's spend an hour just belaboring the point and, and really explaining everybody's position. Like, nope, just let's get into it. Yeah. Let's for all see we the know, drama in this. Yeah, for all we know, there's going to be like four or five flashbacks sprinkled throughout the series that show the making of the spell. Or Certainly could. Or I would be just as fine if they never referenced the spell ever again. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the drama isn't the spell. The drama is that he was captured for a hundred years and the havoc that that wreaked on Earth and the dream realm. Mm-hmm. Um, you could explain the spell. That'd be great. But if you didn't, I would be just as fine. Mm-hmm. So when we write episode two, you don't want to write a whole episode. We're going to spend an, a whole episode really digging into what this spell, how it was written. Do you think maybe maybe it wasn't so much that the spell was too complicated or that the cost was too high maybe it was a spell that somehow made its way into like a julia child cookbook 
and everybody got would get to that page and be like, what the fuck is this? I was just trying to figure out how to make some aspic or something, like some Julia Ch- Child-ass shit. You've got a Julia, Julia Child book. Can we see if there are any arcane spells in there about how to raise people from the dead? I've got two. I've looked through the table of contents. No, it, it wouldn't be in the table of contents, Michael. That would be way too obvious. You're going to have to pour through no. these books. No, her editor was too good to omit it from the table. Of Let's contents. just spend 10 minutes right now looking through those books to see if the spell was there. Well, Michael, do you want to eat your words? That was very clearly a spell. <laughs> I don't. I, it's it's duck confreed. What are you talking about? He turned me into a chicken, Michael. So, flashback to like the the fifteen hundreds, and um, there's a, a a child who every once in a while will wake up and uh say something, and then it'll come true. And eventually, some old wizard comes along, and he's got the grimoire, and he's like, "Oh, I heard about this kid," and he like does like a little like incantation on the kid or something. And the kid goes to sleep, and he wakes up, and he just spews that spell off the top of his head, and the wizard's like, "Oh," and writes it all down. Yeah, done, done. We don't even need a whole episode for that. Episode two in the can, written. It's ten minutes long, but. At least people won't have questions about it anymore. Oh, no, the wizard will have like a whole uh, like a romance thing with like one of the neighbors. So and... have you, you've watched uh, Mythic Quest, right? Yes. So it's going to be like those one-off episodes where we find out about something that's sort of related to the show, but not really. And so it's going to be a flashback about his life. We're going to spend the whole episode wondering like, who the fuck is this guy? What does he have to do with the show? And then the, yeah. the end is that kid spewing the spell. Yeah. And then that wizard dying or something, so he never gets to cast it. Yeah. It's a little... Um, I was expecting Dream to... Like, when we flash forward 10 years, Dream and Alex to have been secret friends. So, like, when nobody's around, like, they, like, talk and stuff. I also didn't know why... They- they spent so much time around the the glass dome and the god. Like, just build a vault around it and shut the vault and then sit two guards on the outside of the vault door. Yeah. Do I, Corinthian said not to fall asleep near him, but does that mean inside of him? Or is it really, like, literally a proximity thing? I don't know. Yeah, the vault yeah. thing would make sense. And I would have thought that over time, because we, we fast forward when Alex is 70 or 80 years old or whatever the fuck he was supposed to be then. At that point, I would have expected fewer guards and shit because they would have gotten a little lackadaisical about it or figured out how to just build a vault around this thing and have people outside of it. But instead, there were more. It just seemed like there were more people around, everybody hanging out like they were yeah. doing shit with him, but they weren't. They were all just ignoring him. Those... uh uh ingredients for that spell were pretty cool a knife from under the hills was one of them and i was like i gotta know more about that knife like, I, need to, I need to know what this hill was yeah. how the knife a, how the knife got there that could be an episode oh that wizard put it there done, done. <laughs> it's like better put a hill on this 
And then that's why he didn't cast a spell. <laughs> the spell gets written or like spoken out, and he's like, I just put that knife under a fucking hill. God fucking damn it. Get the shovel. Also, he just had a feather pulled from the wing of an angel. That that was the that was everything else in that spell was like, okay, yeah, cool. How the fuck if if he's trying to figure out how to capture death, how the fuck did he have a feather from an angel? It it, it felt a little uh like needing a nuke in order to make your way into a locked room or something like that. Yeah. If you've already got the nuke, what do you need your way into this locked room for? Do you think Alex's uh, partner is Paul going to feel bad about having let out dream when he realizes that his partner is stuck in a sleep for ever? <laughs> I mean, it's because they're evil. I just don't know how they could spend a hundred years knowing that they're causing the sleep sickness and not do anything about it. The the sorcerer is evil. The kid, then adult, is selfish and worried. Worried that shit, bad shit's going to happen to him. And it did. And it did. But I wonder if it would have happened to him if he hadn't, if he had just like, I don't know, let the guy out as soon as he could. Right. As soon as his dad was dead, could have said, I'm really sorry I killed your bird. My dad was going to kill me. Or at any point, just walk down there and just gone. <laughs> right. Um, I also kind of thought that Dream was going to give him some reprieve in this. Because of the scene where after he's killed the bird, like you, the guards pull out a trash can for him to put the bird in and you see him walk away with it like he was going to bury it or something. Yeah. Like he clearly didn't want to do this. He was going to give this bird some respect. I thought that that was going to happen. So I guess in a sense, it was setting the tone for the show, which is everything sucks and no one's going to be happy at the end of this. Oh, all right. What else you got? I don't think I do. I don't have else. We got anything else on the agenda? Is this going to be an episode where we just talk about the show? I'm caught up in She-Hulk. Are you? No. Any good? That's eh, all right. Well, want to wrap it up? Thanks for listening to the episode one podcast with Michael and Eric. If you liked the show, you should leave a rating or review. You can check out our website. It's episode1podcast.com. That's spelled out O-N-E. Or you can follow us on Twitter. That's at podcast episode one. Big thanks to Boz D for the use of our theme song, and we'll see you all next week.